1: You know, they're light ships or whatever, and then somebody just said, like, they're building the destiny.
2: I don't really give a damn about that. As long as it's well executed and it all makes sense, then I don't need to be told what's going to happen before it happens.
1: The attention to the characters as well. There's been great character development, even if it's
2: been slow in some cases. Welcome to the big stream. I am Liam McEwen here today with Ryan Phillips. We are gathering to do a three-quarters season check-in for Andor. Ryan and I previously discussed Andor after the first few episodes dropped in September. We were optimistic about where the show would go. Uh, we are now up to nine episodes, nine of 12. The most recent came out this past Wednesday. We only have, sadly, three more weeks left with Cassie and Andor until the next season. And we decided to just hop on a podcast and talk a little bit about what we're impressed about the show and how excited we are to see the finale because, damn, it's been really good. I think Ryan agrees with me on that front. It has been a uh, very very successful spin-off and it's not even done yet i don't think that even them butchering the last few episodes would take away from the overall quality of what has been put forth so far and it really makes one very excited to see what they are going to do next
1: yeah i agree i this is as as many people have dubbed it sort of street level star wars you the as, and as you so eloquently said in our first episode about this, there's no superheroes in this show. You know, there's no there's no Jedi. And there's no flying. And there's no, you know, you're not even getting really a lot of scenes of them being in outer space necessarily. This is street level. And, and this is sort of what, you know, it's a different take. And it's what the everyday people are going through, not the people who are, you know, involved in wars and planning and all this stuff. And you're sort of getting the sort of seeds of the Rebellion Sort of planted, and you do have Mon Mothma, who's a senator. Mon Mothma, who is a senator, being involved. Um, but in general, you're just seeing people living under this regime and what it's like, and maybe starting to see why they want change. And I'll say, so far, this 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 show has been fantastic. I'm so happy they're having a season two. It's not a mini series. I I could I could do five seasons of this. I, I love what they're doing. I love how it's different. Every two or three episodes is a completely different world, a completely different thing to explore. You've had a heist episode. You had an episode just completely building up to a heist. You've had a heist episode. Now you've had two episodes where it's like a jail, a a prison situation. I'm sure we're going to get a prison break uh, situation. And honestly, the thing, Liam, that I told you before we got on and I should never just say I should just save all these things for the air. Let's be real. But I told you, you know what's amazing about it is you could really plop this storyline into any major world, whether it's Marvel or you know MCU or uh, any any of these, you know, in a different time period, maybe with different outfits. Lord of the Lord of the Rings world or something like that. You're just following a guy who is trying to find his way and sort of getting developing into a rebellious persona, like he's going to help you know, lead a civil war essentially. Uh, But it works in any world. It doesn't have to be Star Wars because you're not dealing with the big people we have seen in Star Wars before. And I think that is sort of a crutch that Star Wars shows have leaned on a little bit. It's like, okay, things are getting stale. Here's Luke Skywalker. Things are getting stale. Here's Darth Vader. You know, they're not doing that with this. And they mention the Emperor, but we haven't seen him. And he's just kind of this invisible specter. Uh, And he's not a big, huge part of the storyline. I think that's what's worked so well.
2: For me, what I've enjoyed, especially about this show and something I absolutely did not expect coming in is that it's titled Andor and the protagonist is Cassian Andor, but the show does not seek to answer the question, how does Cassian Andor become a rebel? It goes down to the core of how does an empire toppling rebellion really start? And any, anybody who's read a lot of fantasy books about this shit or like anybody who's, you know, studied a lot of history knows that when it comes to really starting a rebellion, there need to be a few key characters. And the two predominant ones that we've been shown in this show so far are the ruthless guy at the top, who's willing to set things in motion that will cause a lot of pain and suffering for everybody else, but is good for the long term and some sort of political power play. You mentioned Mon Mothma. Luthien plays the role of the ruthless guy, who's explaining to people why the Empire needs to crack down on the population in order to foment rebellion. Oppression breeds rebellion. And I think that that is, strangely enough, one of the uh, you know things that Star Wars never really explored. When we are introduced to the universe in uh, episode four, the rebellion just kind of is like, there. It's like all these people are fighting to topple the Empire, and there's no explanation or even any hints about how it came to be, or how, you know, how it managed to stand on its own two feet in the face of a literally galaxies-spanning empire over the light years. And I have had an absolute hell of a time watching it. It's been really, really fun to see that uh, develop in a Star Wars world. Big fan of that. Uh, You did mention our early episode when we you know discussed what our initial impressions were i went back and looked at uh the summary of our first episode and we were off the mark on a couple things for sure uh most predominantly that cyril Carn was going to be the primary villain in this show he actually has the weirdest character story yeah, arc yeah. of anybody in the show by a fairly significant margin it's ended his whole thing has ended up becoming like his mommy issues it's been really uncomfortable dude's doing a hell of an acting job because i get the fucking wiggles every time that guy comes on screen it makes me very 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 uncomfortable but he is you know if anything he's an interesting character he didn't end up need it fitting into any of the archetypes that you could have possibly have guessed for him after seeing the first three episodes
1: yeah and i i look at him and i'm kind of like where he goes is going to be very interesting because i thought in those early episodes it could be that, you know, with everything that happened and his whole, like, platoon getting wiped out and all of that stuff, it could be that he saw the danger of the Empire, how bad it was, and could have gone the other way. And it appears, you know, gone towards, like, rebellion and maybe taking down the Empire. But it appears he's gone the complete opposite direction, and he's only solidified and his, you know, desire to take Cassian out is driving his whole persona. And, you know, he isn't going to be the primary antagonist. It doesn't look like, but it does look like in these two worlds, if you take the empire and you take the budding rebellion, he and Cassian are on the same kind of level. They're not in charge of anything, but like their storyline kind of fits with where this is going. And eventually those characters are going to run into each other again, because all he wants is to kill Cassian. Cassian doesn't even know about him but it feels like their arcs are going to, to come crashing together at some point, or they wouldn't be focusing on him as much as they are, you know? So he's really becoming, it feels like in this moment, he's becoming a really hardened sort of pro empire guy. Whereas Cassian is to started slowly becoming, I'm going to help the rebellion and these, these disparate groups that come together to form a rebellion. So I feel like those two characters are mirroring each other a little bit. We're getting way less of Cyril than we are of Cassian, obviously, because he's not the star of the show. But you're right. He's not the main antagonist of the show. The main antagonist is, in general, it's just the Empire. And it's it's a bunch of different people uh, of the Empire sort of cracking down and, and and in various levels, whether it's the Senate or it's, you know, the interrogators or it's, you know, whoever. Uh, and, and so I, I find it interesting what they're doing with him. Um, Kyle Soler is the actor. He's doing a really good job. As you said, they're navigating. They're trying to show you how he got to be where he is with the mom issues and all of that stuff. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see where they take that um, and take his you know, sort of incredible like dedication to the empire that's only growing. Uh, and his very weird relationship with, uh, with Deidre the head interrogator there their relationship is getting really weird at this point through episode nine and it'll be interesting to see where that goes because she wants nothing to do with him and he seems pretty obsessed with her
2: the point you made that was most interesting was the idea that uh Cyril is the mirror there the he his path is parallel with Cassian and I think that if you follow that kind of line of logic then there actually is some sort of weird universe in which he actually reverses entirely on his pro-Empire stance, because think about it, right? Crazy enough. But Cassian does not want to be a rebel. He wants to be... I don't really know what he wants to be. He He wants wants to to be safe, basically. He He wants to be safe and he wants to live under the radar with all of his money, and he wants to live with his surrogate mom, adoptive mom, whatever. And that's all he, like, really wants. That's his overarching goal. He's not getting that. Through... All these outside circumstances, he will not get that. He got picked up for doing literally nothing and just hammers home, you know, you don't need to be a rebel to get screwed by the Empire. This guy, Cyril, he wants to be the big, big dude in charge and hunt down Cassian and kill him. And he is blocked at every turn in his attempts to do that. So what happens when both of these characters reach their breaking points where they realize that the thing they want the most is not in reach? For Cassian, we know he becomes a rebel and he ends up playing a huge role in toppling the Empire in the long term. What's going to happen to Cyril? Well, the, you know just thinking about it, it does kind of feel like that the logical endgame, if he keeps on getting denied and pushed down by the Empire, despite his very earnest attempts to you know, be the exact kind of, you know, follower, supporter, mindless servant that they want, where is his mind going to end up? Where is he going to go once that happens? And the answer could be taking down the Empire. Maybe. I'm just throwing it out there. We'll revisit once the season ends and we'll see if I'm right. But I do think that there's a possibility here that he ends up trying so hard that it becomes disillusioned of what the Empire, maybe not what the Empire stands for, but how the Empire operates and how it doesn't allow you know in his twisted worldview people like him to do what they have been put on his planet to do
1: yeah it, it is going to be interesting to see where this goes i think that's the big question mark moving forward because you're going to see the the higher ups in the empire continue to crack down and be what they are you're going to continue to see Luthen be sort of a, you know uh, uh, a scoundrel who's trying to do whatever he can to get what he wants. You're going to see Mon Mothma fighting this, you know, unwinnable fight. And, and and here's the thing: is we know where this goes. We know where the end is. We know what happens to Cassian eventually. We know what happens to Mon Mothma eventually, and, and where they end up. So we know where that path is going to lead. How will they get there, we don't know, but we kind of get that. Cyril's a question mark. We don't know where he's going, and so I think that makes it interesting. And I think that's why even through sort of the slower moments of his character uh you wind up kind of being interested because we don't know what's going to happen
2: yeah he's a fucking weirdo though i I, i'm not rooting for him to succeed he's literally even though we hate deertra he's stalking her it's very it's very uncomfortable a little bit of incel energy that well heavy incel energy when paired with the mother issues whole lot of weird stuff going on there uh, but our discussion of interesting characters brings me to the character I probably find most interesting outside of Cyril and Cassian is Vel. Vel was first revealed to the viewers as a nitty gritty member of the Rebellion, obviously is willing to do whatever it takes to topple the Empire. You don't really know anything about her past. The only personality trait you get is that she's gay. She's sleeping with uh, Cinta and that's pretty much it. And then suddenly she shows up at in Coruscant all dressed nice, got the good hair going on. She went to the stylist and she turns out she's a member of high society, which was a very intriguing twist that once again, checks another one of the boxes that I mentioned about what, what any good rebellion needs to succeed. It needs people in those higher up positions who are willing to do the dirty work. That is Val. Unsure if she's actually cousins with Mon Mothma or not. I think she is. I don't think that's think a she cover. Yeah, yeah. Because they had a familiarity about them, the way that they interacted and especially her husband, who is Mon Mothma's husband, that is, who is really being built up to being a huge piece of shit. Um, there is some familiarity there, so I think they are family, but I don't know. I'm unsure what they have planned for her next. I don't believe they mentioned it specifically. I was very surprised when she showed up in the ninth episode at Mon Mothma's house. I thought she was still on Ferrix with uh, her, her lover, but I guess she's off to do something else, and I think that she has... potential to
0: say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
2: Wing things here in the show. We know the rebellion succeeds, but so many pieces need to fall in place for them to be in a position to steal the Death Star plans when Rogue One happens. And I think Belle's going to end up being a major player. And I think that her character development is something that they've sort of brought into the forefront fairly quickly for a uh, character who was introduced in the, I believe, the fourth episode of the show yeah but it there is i think a lot to work with there and i'm really interested to see what they do with it yeah that was a great reveal
1: that she shows up and you know we had seen her uh, sort of have a clandestine meeting at one point with Luthen's uh assistant and um you figured that was their point of contact but then you realize no she's actually you know, Mon Mothma's cousin, and they're clearly very close as well. And, you know, Mon is sort of warning her off of, you know, hey, take, take, take some time and let everyone see you being kind of the spoiled rich girl. And uh, it... it It was an interesting uh, exchange and I think definitely a surprise for me. I didn't see that one coming. I figured she would just be token rebel girl who, you know, we kind of like and is interesting. Um, I I had to
2: pause the show when she showed up on screen in a full hairdo. I was like, wait a minute, who the hell is that? That isn't her, is it? Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, The waif from Game of Thrones. Uh, But so, yeah, I... It was a it was a very cool uh, twist there. I think that it's I think we're going to slowly start to see a lot of elements of this uh, of this show kind of come together. sort of disparate elements off to the side, like the, you know some of these guys in the prison are going to join the rebellion because of what happens, and and Cassian's going to have a gang with him at some point. He's going to have some people to bring to the table. Um, you also know that I think that you're starting to see Bix Colleen played by Adri uh, Adri Arjona. She's got some connection to Luther that we don't really know the whole story about. He's just kind of the buyer of her stolen stuff. Um, but you know that they know each other. There's got to be some connection. How did she get there? How did these two people uh, connect? Because, you know, she connected Cassie to him. It's a huge piece. And so there's something going on on Ferex with them. Uh, that you're gonna that that is going to be developed more as well. And so there's a lot of room for this show to grow, which is interesting when you have a fixed endpoint and the fixed endpoint is Cassian stealing the Death Star plan, you know, like working to steal the Death Star plans and and, and the beginning of Rogue One. Um, there is actually a lot of room to grow and a lot of characters to explore when you pretty much know what Cassian's going to become. He's not there yet, but you're going to watch him become that. But then there's all these other people who, by the way, aren't in Rogue One, other than other than Forrest Whitaker, none of these people are in Rogue One. I think Mon Moth was in there too, actually, but none of them are in there. And so we have to get to that point at some point. And a lot of these people are probably not going to be there for a reason. They're probably going to end up, you know, under, you know, the Empire is going to wind up getting to them. So, uh, again, very interesting, open world. I love what they've done. I love that it's different from other Star Wars stuff. And And, you know... I loved watching Obi Wan because you know that character is so iconic, and seeing you know sort of a bridge in years there, and seeing Ewan McGregor re inhabit the character and try and take it to where the Alec Guinness version of the character was. I loved that show; it was fun. You got to see Obi Wan and Vader go off, okay, but it's also felt like an extension of a Star Wars movie, you know, where this feels like its own thing within that world, and that's what I've loved about it. Yeah,
2: they're definitely striking the right note. I think it's kind of like what. The Mandalorian was at its best moments, I would say, and but then they obviously at certain points decided to loop in bigger Star Wars characters, you mentioned Luke Skywalker, all that stuff, but like it is, this is its own thing. It's a dope show that even if this was some nameless empire instead of specifically Emperor Pal- or if the empire was ruled by somebody not named Emperor Palpatine, then i would still be just as intrigued i would still be just as invested in seeing how everybody develops and it you know i think we talked a little bit about it in the the first podcast we did but it still doesn't even really feel like star wars even with familiar backdrops like coruscant and you know the flying cars and there's a little bit more you know empire ship action going on it's uh it's it's still it stands out. It stands out as far as the quality of the content goes. Uh, you mentioned the prison. That's where Andor is right now. It's going to be transformative. I think we both know that. This is, seems like it's going to be the, the experience that turns Cassian from a bitter thief into a full fledged rebel. He is clearly. You could almost universal. see
1: the moment. You could almost it, see it. it was when he realized that nobody's actually getting out of the prison. You could just see a change there.
2: Him and Andy Serkis, which is fucking awesome. He's yeah, in Andy Serkis. I, so I love Serkakis. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah, he's uh, he was awesome. I was so I was so pumped when I saw his face. I was like, no way! And Then he ends up being something other than the like evil overlord who's just working to, till he gets out. Like that's awesome. He's gonna end up leading the rebellion out of the prison. Strong Squid Game vibes here. Yes, I, uh, I, I noticed that as well. Yeah,
1: and you know one thing that I noticed too is. The stuff they're building, we never know what they're building. We never know what they're building. They're just building over and over and over again. I watched someone who was basically saying, "Look, it's going to turn out that they're building parts for the Death Star. Like it's it, like that's Got you it. know because it's it's this secret thing. They're killing people who you know the fact that nobody's going to leave because it's top secret. They're going to kill everybody. Like it's they're never leaving because it's a top secret thing they're building. So these people are going to escape, and and obviously you know." know the ins and outs of what's being built but yeah i mean that like it didn't even dawn on me i just figured it was they're building stuff for you know their light ships or whatever and then somebody just said like they're building the death star and like like parts from the death star i was like that's exactly what they're doing that is absolutely exactly what they're doing
2: yeah i didn't think about it until it sort of occurred to me like halfway through the second prison episode i was like wait a second what are they building and then you think about it it's like There's only one thing that game for yeah, the end game for Cassian is stealing some very important thing about the Death Star. It would make sense if he was working on the Death Star. But hopefully, hopefully, episode 10 brings us the prison break scene, which is gonna be super dope because I have no idea how they're gonna do it. I felt the same way. That was part of what is making this so good, is that they're doing these, you know, pretty stereotypical film and TV tropes heist prison bring, but it is truly a mystery as to how they're going to pull it off they gave pretty bare details going into the heist about what exactly was going to happen they focused a lot on the escape but they didn't focus on how they were going to get in how they were going to get down there how they what even they were really like how much they were going to be taking and it's going to be the same thing with the prison prison you can electrocute anybody who's standing on the floor how are they going to get out of that how are they going to engineer a massive prison break where they can't even talk to any of the other levels and they're in the middle of a fucking lake or an ocean or something like there's so many different parts that they're just gonna you know maybe some people wouldn't don't like that like they don't like that stuff happens behind the scenes and then on scan on screen they show that everybody knows what to do and it works out great I don't really give a damn about that. As long as it's well executed and it all makes sense, then I don't need to be told what's going to happen before it happens. That is what makes any good heist or Prison Break movie good, is that there are unexpected twists and turns, and it isn't all about the planning. It leaves some for the execution. And I think that, you know, based off of how they executed the heist episode, which was, as far as TV goes, 10 out of 10, I yeah, think that yeah. they're going to nail the prison break right so Yeah,
1: it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big time like great escape uh, uh, adventure. I think, um, and I loved it that Cassie at one point like sneaks away, and he's kind of you know whittling down a, a pipe to try and ruin it, and then like all of a sudden he just closes it back up and leave, and it's like. It's like he's, it's, he's starting to like lay seeds that he's going to do something, but you don't know what it is. And, and I do like that there is this kind of mystery about how they're going to do things and then they just go do them. And, and yeah, I again, it's just been so well done and I'm thrilled with where it's at. And uh, I was anticipating the show for a while and it's lived up to my expectations and it's actually been my favorite one. I love The Mandalorian. It's a fun show. Um, but I also think that that show gets a little repetitive. He's in a different place every week doing a different thing and kind of spaghetti western-ish um but this is this is a more like a long long movie um with a lot of different elements to it and i i've enjoyed every bit of it
2: you actually hit on something that i wanted to mention was that the the Mandalorian like you said spaghetti western like every episode he's in a new place with new almost contained going on. every episode's almost contained yeah it's contained you could leap into season 1 episode 7 of the Mandalorian and not like really miss a lot of what's going on in terms of the big picture but this show manages to accomplish which i am most impressed by is what you said right everything is way more connected everything flows it's like a long movie but they do a good enough job of keeping these episodes contained that if you got dropped into the heist episode, you would immediately understand what they were trying to do and what their overarching goals are, and you would miss out on you know, some of the quality aspects, but you wouldn't be able to not understand what was happening, and I think that's a really hard balance to strike. So their ability to keep these storylines going from episode to episode while still feeling like every episode is a contained story I think maybe speaks to the lack of filler episodes so far. There has not been really a single, like, extrapolation episode. Maybe episode four, when Cassian's getting introduced to the rest of the Rebels before they break into the base to steal the Imperial payroll. But even then, there was a bunch of shit going on around that that didn't make it feel like it was dragging. It really felt as action-packed as it could be without actually having much action. I think the overarching goal of toppling the empire gives everything a lot more it gives each situation a lot more tension that plays even though you know that they eventually topple the empire it still plays really well as far as in the eyes of the audience it keeps them engaged and i think that it's my favorite star wars show i've watched so far for sure and i think that you know we said this after the first three episodes we're gonna say it again it's just a good show It doesn't need to be a good Star Wars show to be a good show, but it is a damn good show and a good Star Wars show.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I'm just, I'm happy with where it's at, man. I Like, I've said it a bunch in this episode, but I I just, I love how they've handled this. I love uh, the attention to the characters as well. There's been great character development, even if it's been slow in some cases. It's there, you're getting a little bit every episode. Mon Mothma, I mean, You've really seen her develop over even a, a nine episodes. And you know, again, where she's going to be. And you're just kind of seeing her slowly, slowly, slowly realize just how desperate the situation is. Luthin, I feel like, hasn't changed at all since the beginning. But you're learning more about him every time. Well, he uh, has hair now. He does have hair I'm, now. I'm
2: pretty confused about that, to be it's honest funny. with you. I a, do. I, they started putting this future technology in shit but how does he go from being bald to having this big, like, head of hair, and it he puts and on that, the wig? That's very difficult. To... But that's very difficult hair to wear as a wig. It very, very it's true. Specific very hairstyle
1: true. is very difficult. And his voice is different, and everything. He's he's a good. He's a master of disguise.
2: Ellen um, Scar's guard, guard, my damn
1: king. He's so he good. is so great that he's in this. By the way, I love it. And he wasn't even in the last episode, so you know. This show can be good without him, but yeah, bringing in Andy Circus, a recognizable face to be like this sort of opaque character that you're now starting to figure out where he's going to go. He has no desire to break out or anything. He just wants to run his little thing, do his days, and then be released. And now he's, you know, you can see the change there. And he's, you know, great organizer. You figure he's going to be a big part of the rebellion. So anyway, uh, yeah, this show is aces for me. I, I love it, and uh, I'm definitely going to keep watching. I can't wait for this to finish and i can't wait for season two and i can't wait to watch it sort of flow into where it's gonna end up and see how they get there i'm stoked on it liam i'm glad we've uh, we've been able to break it down i'm sure we'll be back after three more episodes to break this down even further
2: oh man we're gonna be back come on the way that they're <laughs> building up the end of this season like i'd be surprised if we don't hop on as soon as it fucking drops at like midnight next wednesday i am super stoked as well we will hold off on giving a rating at this time seeing as the finale is so close and we gave a rating after the first three episodes. So, listeners, we will merely thank you for your time, and we hope that you will tune in again in a couple of weeks to hear our thoughts on the finale. I am Liam McEwen, this was Ryan Phillips, and we will catch you next time.